0: This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. For all your Disney vacation travel needs, contact them and they'll be more than happy to help you. Email them today at Weekly at fairygodmothertravel.com and they will help you.
1: Hello and welcome to CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George.
0: And I'm Jeff. And we got a lot of good compliments about the Cypress Garden stuff uh, from last week and the week before. A lot of people saying they've been there and they enjoyed it and it was a nice little trip down memory lane.
1: Yeah, that was fun to to learn a lot more about that park and how it wasn't always Legoland.
0: Yeah, I thought Legoland has always existed. Well, maybe before
1: then it was Legolas Land.
0: Lego Lost Land. Okay. Yeah. You mean like from Lord of the Rings Yeah, 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 it was
1: archery and stuff like that. So
0: I'm down for that. I'd be I'd be
1: down for that theme yeah, park. Yeah, everybody gets a blonde wig they can wear and you you throw dwarves?
0: I don't know if that's offensive or not anymore. Well, I don't know. I don't know how we follow well, that. But they topic, did that in so. the film though, didn't they? They did do it in the film, but they were also fighting orcs, so uh, there's was a valid reason. So if we for have orcs it, so. there, yeah, yeah, then it's okay. Then it's okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, there so, are some, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's move on before we (laughs) offend people. (laughs) It's time for Disney History! Jules Verne often wondered how much further we can go. What are the final frontiers and our never-ending quest for traveling? And will humankind only be satisfied when space exploration is finally available to us readily? Walt Disney was pretty much enamored by the thought of space in the future so much so that he dedicated an entire land to it, one we all know and love. And almost every Magic Kingdom Park in the world has a Tomorrowland, or a Discoveryland, but both hold the same ideals. So something about flying through space or through the Aurora
1: Borealis or going from Mars to Saturn to Jupiter has been in the hearts and minds of children of all ages for generations. The idea of capturing that feeling was one of the goals Walt wanted to achieve in his storytelling. And the high-flying, thrill-seeking space junkie feeling is captured in both looks and feeling with
0: the Astro Orbiter. So, modeled after the futuristic stylings of 19th century science fiction, and inspired by writers Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, the Astro Orbiter builds upon the legacy of reaching for the stars and always striving for the last frontier.
1: Astro Orbiter originally opened in Disneyland under its first name, Astrojets. For its grand opening on March 24, 1956, um, the Walt Disney Company uh, invited aviators from the US Marines, the US Navy, and the US Air Force to take part in the festivities. And they were some of the uh, first to actually christen the new attraction.
0: Unlike its successors in future iterations of Tomorrowland and other parks, Astro Jets was not raised up on any level, but remained on the ground level. It had a much simpler design as well. Uh, The rockets were basic white cylinders with wingtips, and each one had a certain color added to it as well, ranging from red to orange to blue. And the rockets circled around the red and white checkered uh, rocket that allowed guests to rise up to 36 feet uh, into the air.
1: And the original concept of the Astrojets came from an already established amusement park ride called the Rotojet that was being used in other theme parks. Although, you know, similar in form to Dumbo, the Rotojet was basically the next step up. It had a rotating base and a higher seating capacity, fixing some of the original issues that Dumbo was having at the time. Walt discovered this new concept and negotiated with a company by the name of Casper Klaus of Bavaria to have
0: one shipped to him. The name of the attraction was changed to rocket jets during the renovations for New Tomorrowland in Disneyland in August 1967. The attraction was moved from the ground level to above the Wedway People Mover and given a new paint job. The attraction now had more realistic rockets for seating and featured a new Saturn V rocket replica as its centerpiece. In 1997, as more renovations
1: for Disney's Tomorrowland were underway, Rocket Jets was also given a facelift, and it was renamed to Astro Orbiter. And the attraction was moved from above the People Mover down to the entrance of Tomorrowland. The Saturn V spaceship was replaced by a centerpiece of structural art depicting early spherical astronomical devices, you know, comprised of orbiting and moving forms. The rockets were updated again, and the color scheme was changed to a a bronze color, and the design now had a retro science fiction look to it. The design was taken partly from the Disneyland Paris version, and more recently, the color scheme changed again to that of red, blue,
0: gold, and silver. So heading to the other side of the country, Star Jets finally touched down in the Magic Kingdom on November 28, 1974, three years after the park opened. So Star Jets was a clone of the Rocket Jets version of the attraction at Disneyland. And it was set atop Rocket Tower Plaza, above the People Mover, and it had a Saturn V spaceship in the middle, just like its brother in California. So the main difference was in the design aspects of the rocket themselves, as Florida's had larger seats and different backings. In
1: 1994, it was deemed that the Walt Disney World version of Tomorrowland was not living up to its name, and in need of a major land-wide refurbishment. And Walt Disney Company decided to revamp the land with some renovations. And so, on April 30th, 1994, Rocket Jets reopened as Astro Orbiter, and it was given a completely brand new visual aesthetic.
0: So it resembled colorful, revolving planets and mechanisms, a design that was more science fiction than science fact. And there was, there, this was the direction the company was aiming for with its new Tomorrowland in Florida, since Epcot's Future World now maintained the current and factual developments for the future. The retro sci-fi version that guests enjoy today is a dazzling display of kinetic sculpture, with its colorful light-up rockets flying around a magnificent showpiece of science fiction-inspired structures.
1: And while mission space can't be beat for experiencing the true sensation of spaceflight, the thrill of flying high above Tomorrowland in the Astro Orbiters takes you to a fanciful version of the future, where robots, aliens, and space travelers cross intergalactic paths amid neon lights, metallic palm trees, and widely imagined industrial architecture. Unlike Mission Space, you'll be outside in the Florida sky with the breeze in your face flying high above the Magic Kingdom just like a daredevil rocket ship jockey from science fiction tales of years gone by. It's an experience you'll never forget, especially if you ride it at night when Tomorrowland lights up in all of its retro future
0: glory. The version of Astro Orbiter in Hong Kong Disneyland is called the Orbitron, and uses flying saucers instead of rockets. Now each saucer seats four people, allowing for higher capacity. The version of Tokyo Disneyland replicates the early version of the rocket jets from Disneyland's early years, with a a white rocket circling a Saturn V replica, and this is the only park in the world to still have that old design.
1: The astro-orbiter at the Magic Kingdom averages uh, 11 rotations per minute and travels about 1.2 million miles a year, a bit longer than five trips to the moon and back, and the rockets fly for 90
0: seconds before landing. The Saturn V replica used in the former version of the attraction was later used in the TV series Thunder in Paradise uh, featuring Hulk Hogan. Uh, The show, actually, at the time was being made at Disney MGM Studios. And after Rocket Jets was turned into Astro Orbiter at Disneyland and moved to ground level, a
1: skeletal framework of its previous version was left above the people mover. It was called the Observatron and would act as Tomorrowland's uh, communication device to aliens. And when it received messages, it was supposed to play music from above and rotate a bit.
0: But due to mechanical failures, failures, it is mostly turned off. Mm -hmm. I've only seen it go one time before, and it was kind of cool, and then never again. So it's sort of like the Yeti of the West Coast? Basically, yes, but not not as noticeable, actually.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Might be better to have a Yeti standing on top of that. Um, Maybe. Very futuristic. (laughs) Very futuristic. So uh, we'd love to know what your thoughts. Do you have any memories from the early years at the Astro Orbiter or any of the other incarnations of this amazing ride? Give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628.
0: He's a nice he's, he's, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. Ah! It's George's book of the week.
1: So this week's book is the Art of Minnie Mouse, and it's a book that fans of Minnie Mouse are definitely going to love. It's similar to the Art of Mickey Mouse that was released in 1993, uh, with with a few differences. Uh, The book is larger than normal, and it's close to a a coffee-style, coffee-table-style book. And it's got 160 pages total, with most of the book actually dedicated to the gallery section. And the other two sections are smaller. The first section is the animated filmography, and it is a complete list of every animated short or film that Minnie has appeared in, from Playing Crazy all the way to Get a Horse. And the second section is dedicated to the milestones of Minnie's career. It covers everything from her first book appearance to her first animated short of her own to the theme parks, you know, and when she appeared on the Disney dollars, the TV special she's been in, as well as her CG films. And it is a really wonderful look at our favorite mouse. Because you gotta be honest, you love everybody loves Minnie. Everybody does. Of course, yeah. well, I do. Yeah. So the third and final section is is the largest. It's a gallery of artwork created by artists that are closely associated with the Disney company, with the majority actually being hired by the Disney Consumer Products division to design all the different stuff. Uh, The images run the gamut from really, really super cute to very sophisticated. And they range from traditional sketches of, uh, and paintings to mixed media and digital creations. And the images are sometimes portraits, sometimes caricatures, and sometimes they're just interpretations of Minnie's ears. Uh, you know, the only negative I can think of is I would love to have seen a list of the artists and some biographical information about them or other places I could find their work. Uh, the artists are listed along with their works. But no other information is given. And overall, this really is a book that is made for fans of Minnie Mouse. You know, uh, historians and animation fans, they're not going to find a lot to really interest them outside of the artwork. And still, it's a wonderfully done book that will delight anyone with an interest in Minnie Mouse, especially when you have close to 150 pages of artwork
0: about Minnie I I think you got this book before I did, so I didn't get a chance to look at it until very, very recently. But, I mean, I also have The Art of Mickey Mouse book, and I honestly think I like this one a little better. I like this one much better. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like there's more... I don't know there's there's more freedom with how these artists are interpreting Minnie Mouse in different ways and it was just kind of cool to see the different styles and artwork of her through, over the years too so mm-hmm. I don't know uh, I, I I think this one is a little better than the Mini- oh, Mickey Mouse I think one. so
1: too I think the Mickey Mouse one is a little dated uh, some of the yeah, art was exactly. a little too contemporary whereas this has some more classic feel to it and will last a lot longer
0: yeah, I agree. So, yeah, I agree.
1: It's going to be a fantastic Christmas present or birthday present for the Minnie Mouse mini wow, Minnie Mouse fan. <laughs> Say that fast. Obviously, I can't. Um, so I think we both enjoyed it and you know if you love Minnie, definitely pick it up. It's the Art of Minnie Mouse. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the
0: window. Also So this window was originally at Disneyland, and it has kind of an interesting history. And it said, Glasses Fitted, Nate Weinkoff, Optometrist. So Nate Weinkoff had a window located above the Silhouette Studio. Uh, He actually did a lot of work on the early planning of Disneyland, such as finding the perfect location for it. And he was responsible for putting together the deal with the Anaheim City Manager, Keith Murdoch, to help put Disneyland uh, where Walt wanted it. I'm sorry, his name is Nat. My apologies, not Nate. Uh, Nat left Disney shortly after the park opened to start his own design firm, creating a Disney-like amusement park uh, all over the United States. He, he did a lot of them. And he sometimes tried to steal some of Disney's talented artists away. So it's likely that his window was removed from Disneyland for this very reason. So I, I guess it's almost like a five-legged goat window of the week in a way because it was there and now it's not. I mean, and if yeah, you see it... They're... Yeah. I was going to say, if you if you can see it, then you probably do need to get your glasses checked because it's not there anymore. <laughs> so yeah, it's one of those five-legged ghosts, remember? Five-legged ghosts, that's right. We should have saved it for Halloween. Right. Why didn't we think of this? Man, for Halloween. It's not it's not yeah. spooky enough. That's fair. You, and right, you'd have I to read it not. in
1: a spooky, Ned cough type voice. And next time. Next time we'll know. Okay. okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it then, so. Sometimes you
0: might see it, sometimes you don't, hey, look. What's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> Alright, so this, this five-legged goat is a little strange. Um, I don't know how true it is, but we're going to throw it out there anyway and we'll see. Supposedly, the Imagineers working on the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror at Disney's Hollywood Half Day Park, they like to play pranks on one each other. Um, many of which, these pranks, involve a jar of pickled sausages. Why pickled sausages? Who knows? But they hid the jar of pickled sausages and they surprised one another with it until an Imagineer mistakenly left it behind one night in a place which just so happened to be where every prop was going to be glued down early the next morning. So they got there the next day and the prop of pickled sausages was glued down. So the jar now sits behind the photo pickup area today. It's kind of as a a nod to this joke that they played on. Who knows if it's, if the sausages are still good? Probably not. I don't want to taste them, but it's apparently there, and I'll check it out next time.
1: So something we know that will still be good eh, is out. our weekly prize in our year of a million or so limited time cadets. Well yeah, I know, well I done. know. That one sort of was sitting there. And what else could I do? Um, <laughs> That's true. That's a fair point. <laughs> so for those of you who aren't aware, each and every week here on CommuniCore Weekly, for almost the past two years, we've been giving away a prize to a lucky cadet who has emailed their name and address to CommuniCoreWeekly at gmail.com, and we've added them to the list, and we pull a person's name. I was going to say out of a hat, but no, we're not magicians, and they're not rabbits. It's a random drawing. And each time we get a winner. So, yeah, A
0: sophisticated internet uh, algorithm picks a winner every single week. So, this week's prize pack is actually a Fairy Godmother Travel prize pack. Thank you again to Teresa Corey from Fairy Godmother Travel. And the winner is Steve L. from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Hooray! Congrats, Steve. Uh, When you receive your prize pack, let us know. Send us a photo of it. Uh, We'd love to see what it is because we're surprised what she sends sometimes, too. We have no idea. But, hey, we would love to see it. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of CommuniCore Weekly. However you get the show, whether on iTunes, YouTube, leave us a comment, leave us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, and as I've, we've
1: mentioned several times, email Weekly at gmail.com to enter the contest
0: or just, you know, say, hey, what's up? How's it going, guys? You can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash weekly,
1: And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm at Imagineerding. He's at Jeff
0: Heimbuck. And you can also give us a call on the CommuniCore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628.
1: And make sure you visit the CommuniStore on our website or simply go to CommuniCoreWeekly.Spreadshirt.com and you can pick up some fantastic CommuniCore Weekly t-shirts.
0: And there's still time to get your official cadet membership cards and stickers by sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to CommuniCore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856.
1: And make sure you visit Patreon.com slash CommuniCore Weekly to find out how you
0: can support the greatest online show. For Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show.